Oh, and of course. There we go. All right. All right. Welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour, everybody. I will uh, go ahead and pause this now. Uh, you'll, you'll find out why in a minute why that song is uh, very fitting. But uh, my name is Joe Vaughn, content manager at So-Called Fantasy Experts and founder of FantasySixPack.net. I'm joined tonight not by AJ, but another co-host of mine that I've had on a few times, Keenan Keeling. Um, as always, you can tweet me a at the show at fantasy six pack all spelled out one word or call in anytime uh the number is i don't have it up in front of me right now so that's bad bad planning by my part 646-716-7926 uh go ahead and call in anytime you want and chime into the show um what's going on keenan hey how's it going Ah, pretty good. I actually came home today and found out that I think my hot water heater broke. So bad timing since it's like 10 degrees outside. No, that's that's not good. And we know we have a huge snowstorm, snowstorm yeah, on the way. So, right? I, I so I immediately have somebody coming over uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully fix it. I hope so. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's not good, man. It was pretty bad news to come home to. Um, um, well, I came home and fired off a couple NBA DFS lineups, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, you're definitely all into that. I, like I said, I haven't gotten into the DFS as much, but that's why we are having the show to hopefully get me into it and some of you others. And that's why you are here along with our guest, um, Mark Kaplan from Fantasy Alarm. I'm sure you all have heard of that site and him. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at that true guru. D-A-T-T-R-U-E, Guru, G-U-R-U. Uh, let me bring him on now. What's going on, Mark? What's up, guys? I'm just sitting here watching some uh, NBA. How y'all doing? Pretty good. I'm doing all right. I need to know about that Twitter name. How, how did that happen? The True Guru, I mean, it, it was a couple of different things. And throughout the years when I've been playing fantasy sports, I just was like, all right, let me figure out one name that when I'm playing, like, these public leagues that, I don't know, just – it was one of my fantasy names that kind of stuck with it. And when I got Twitter, I was like, this kind of works out. It's fantasy related. So, yeah, it's just pretty much pretty simple. All right, fair. Fair. How long okay. ago did you get Twitter to actually have that name exist still? What's that? How long ago did you have – did you sign up for Twitter that that name was actually available? Um, I signed up a while ago. I probably changed the name to that – probably like four years ago so it's definitely been a while yeah yeah i mean i've been on I, there were a lot of names i tried and they were not available i'm actually kind of surprised that that one was someone didn't try <laughs> to take it from you but uh anyway man uh so yeah so the you know the point of this this show is to kind of give a lot of those nfl players that are kind of looking to fill the void uh, in between now, I mean, yeah, there's there's playoff uh, DFS, but that's kind of winding down as well, uh, and it's not huge anyway, I don't think. Um, but, you know, kind of fill that void between now and baseball, which are obviously the two big ones. Um, and, and what better way to do it than basketball? I mean, I, I will admit basketball was, is one of my favorite sports to watch. Um, I just, for some reason, have not gotten into the DFS side of it. Uh, I've played season-long for I for ever like I can't even remember the when I started DFS bas- or uh, fa- uh, season long basketball, but so I'm definitely into it. I just have not transitioned over into DFS, so it's kind of a little bit for the people listening and for myself too. And, and Keenan has dabbled in some DFS and season long as well. So, uh, but so uh, that's why I wanted him here to kind of help mold this learning session of NBA DFS. So to start there, for people transitioning from the NFL, what's like one, maybe two things that they should know right off the bat with NBA DFS? 
I think what you have to know is you have to – you can't just set a lineup in the morning and then go away and be like, all right, these guys are going to play. Like, NBA, if you want to be successful in NBA, you have to be at your computer, be whatever device you use 30 minutes to an hour before tip-off because something always changes, whether the guy that's in your lineup is not playing or the starter's not playing and that opens a value somewhere else. There's always stuff that happens right before tip-off, and unfortunately sometimes it happens after tip-off where, like yesterday, I rostered Tyreek Evans in the lineup and GPP. Oh, no. And then, yeah, 30 minutes before the game starts, he's out. And then you're like, all right, I'm screwed. And, you know, luckily I knew that going in, so it was only a small dollar one. But that happens in NBA, and it happens a lot more often than people think. Or in NFL, it's like, yeah, this guy's questionable. They pretty much know what's going to happen an hour or two before tip-off. Where in the NBA, literally stuff can change five minutes before lineups block, and you're left scrambling and doing other stuff. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's, that's that's definitely it right there. I mean, I I generally keep two or three mental lineups in my head just so that I can make pivots at the last second. I think I was uh, I, last week I was preparing to you know sit down to dinner and uh, Drogic was out, you know, and Tyler Johnson was in. I didn't have Drogic anywhere, but you know. You gotta you gotta go get that value because it changes the entire landscape of of everybody's lineups. Um, and if you don't have time to sit to be at your computer between six thirty p.m. and and and, t- and you know seven, you should probably just only play GPPs and 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 hope and pray. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's that's way more. You you need to be you know a bit more available than even baseball because I mean baseball can kind of happen the same way but I guess with baseball you know the lineups at what, four o'clock three o'clock every day so you've got plenty of time. Yeah, and it's and it's also rough with NBA is it's like oh, this guy missed a shoot around or this guy kind of participated in shoot around so then you're still like you know if a guy doesn't participate in shoot around sometimes he doesn't play there's other times where. The other day when Jimmy Beller didn't participate in shoot around against the Sixers, he ends up having 80 fantasy points. And it's just like <laughs> so, so you can't even, like, read into some of the stuff because you try to dissect it. And, like, what I always say is if the guy misses shoot around, he's not going to play. But that's not always the case. So it, it is always changing. And baseball, you're right. It comes out a couple hours earlier, and you kind of know the gist of the lineups. And there might be a scratch or two, but it's not like Clayton Kershaw starting and then five minutes before lineups locked he's scratched. Like, that just doesn't happen. But that happens in the NBA where, hey, LeBron might not just play, and you don't know tennis for tip-off. So that's the top thing that I tell people. <laughs> yeah, I, I I literally – I was very pleased with that Jimmy Butler uh, news because he dropped 81 FanDuel points, and he was about 30% owned in, in the GPPs I was playing. I was very, very happy that most people were scared away from him on that on the news he may not play. Okay, well done on your part. <laughs> Well, just one night. <laughs> that usually could have gone the other way. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm looking at tonight's games, and there's only four. So, and, you know, there, a lot of nights that I would typically try and play, and I play on the heavier nights. But is a night like tonight more of the – the size slate that you would tell the beginner to kind of test the waters in, or is this, do you like kind of the middle range or what do you? I mean, like I would say like, if you're just new to it, maybe throw a couple dollars and just get used to it. The problem with four game slates is, especially when you play the 50 fifties is a lot of people are going to be 50, 60, 70% owned because there's not a lot of options out there. So a guy like Russell Westbrook, he's going to be 60 or 70% owned. And even the value plays, I believe a guy like Marquise Morris, and I was looking at GPPs, he was 60% owned. And it's like, well, that's a $4,900 player. So when you get the four-game slates, that's going to happen. You know, when you get to 11, 12, 13-game slates, those to me are the GPP nights as well because, I mean, I play cash games, but those are also when the big contests are. My favorite is about six, seven, or eight games because I feel like there's enough variety where you're not going to sit there and, have a bunch of highly owned players, but also gives you a good sense of the the slate on the night. You can kind of pinpoint some some good positions, and nothing ridiculously crazy is going to happen. Where hey, a guy that normally gets ten minutes is going to blow up for you know forty fantasy points. That doesn't happen as often when there's only six or seven games out there. So that's kind of the slate you want to look for. Usually that happens on about a Monday or Tuesday night. Wednesday and Fridays are usually the two biggest nights, and you know I, I like. 
the contest on 13 games place. It's just there's so much random stuff that's going to happen. It just it makes it a little, it makes it tougher. Yeah, Mark. I mean, I I I actually like the thing. I like six to nine. I mean, I think at 13 games, there's just if you're going to be serious about it and try to do all the research, it's just too many players. You know, if you have a day job, you don't have to sort of sift through what, you know, what everybody's going to do. How are you going to get through all of those players, you know, and, and on a, not like tonight, even though I play, but that's because I'm a degenerate. Um, you know, you've got, you got even the marginal players are like 35% on and then you're just like, this is silly. Why am I doing this? Um, but, you know, and at, at seven to nine, you really have a, there's enough, people in play, there's enough players in play that there's a chance for, for your opponents to, to make more mistakes than on a four-game slate. If you've only got a player pool of, you know, 15 players, it's just not a lot of opportunity for your opponents to mess up. And, you know, while we don't like to think about it that way, we, do, we are trying to win. So, which means we need our opponents to make the mistakes that we're not making. It's a good call. I like that. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess with that, so how, how does the size slate change your strategy i mean if you are going to play the the six to seven eight uh slate you know nights game nights and then and then up to the 13s or then you know a game a night like this where there's only four i mean are you looking at you know just high usage players guys that are just trying like what is your strategy going into like each kind of different size slate yeah, oh, that's a, that's a good question. Like a night like tonight, I feel like if you don't have Russell Westbrook, you're you're already behind the eight ball. Like even if he gets only forty five or fifty fantasy points a night like tonight, there's very few players that are going to put the same amount of numbers. Where on a thirteen game slate, I, I'm usually the guy that's fading fading the ten thousand dollar guys, and you can do that when, when you have thirteen games because there's going to be guys that blow up. And a six or seven game slate, I feel like almost go kind of the safer route just because I kind of want to make sure when, it, especially my cash games that I get the guys that can get 30, 35 points. And, and like Keenan was saying, it's like white guys that, you know, aren't going to sit there and, and just blow up or throw a dud out there. Cause then you're screwed. If it's a six or seven game slate where it's like, Hey, if I'm only getting 20 fantasy points for a guy that's supposed to get 35, I'm going to have a lot harder cashing when there's 13 games and, there's so much more variety where a guy that gets you, you know, not doesn't reach value, then you're in a little better situation. So I kind of play a lot safer on the six to eight game slates. And then on the bigger slates, especially GPP, that's where you're going to have to get a guy that's two or 3% owned. You're going to have to find one of those value guys that very few people are on and hope he blows up because that's the best way to bury yourself. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you said Russell Westbrook because I'm on Westbrook tonight got him on all my lineups, uh, and I decided, you know, the best way to differentiate myself is people don't like to roster, uh, you know, Westbrook and Durant on the same team. So I just said, screw it, and rostered both of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sure, I'm, you know, your ceiling's a little lower because, you know, what are the chances they both blow up? But like you said, you're not necessarily looking for a guy to, to explode for, for 80 fantasy points on a, on a four-game slate. You need those raw points that, that those two guys can give you because no one else on the slate can give them to you. Um, and exactly. like, yeah, and like you said, on you know, on the on the regular nights, you know, I play mostly cash games like like you. So, you know, I'm generally trying to play it safe. Um, but it's interesting. And and Joe, I'm gonna I'm sliding down to one of the questions you have a little later. Is you know, you mentioned that you you generally fade all of those those 10k players. Um, is that a general rule? Because I, I find that that's what bites me the most. Is that you know, I grab a uh, uh, Anthony Davis or I grab a a Boogie Cousins at 10-5, and, you know, they have, they're fine, but they only gave me 40 fantasy points, and I needed 50 or 55. You know, how right. do you – Yeah, that's – I mean, that's – sorry sorry to interrupt you. That's just the biggest problem with, with those guys is a guy like Boogie, he's been so consistent where I don't mind paying 10000 for him, but people are, are all – James Harden is up there, and James Harden has really had 50 fantasy points. Well, if you're going to pay $10,000 for a guy and he gets you 40 fantasy points – it is very hard to win that night. Like you are going to struggle, especially when those guys that are seven or eight thousand putting up the same amount of fantasy points as guys that are ten thousand, and especially in a GPP where hey, if he's going to be twenty percent owned, then that already gives you a lot bigger advantage because hey, if he blows up, then you know what, you can still win, but twenty other percent of the people that already have him. The same point mm-hmm. is, if he doesn't reach value, then you automatically have already set yourself up. You've already 
gotten those 20% people out of the way because you don't have to worry about that. So it's, you know, most of the time I try to fade them. There's always different circumstances. A guy like Damian Lillard just dropping 50 fantasy points every single night. I might want to pay up for him. But a guy like Anthony Davis, who just it just seems like every single night he gets hurt, not reaching value, just something with Anthony Davis every single night that even on a night like tonight with only four games, it is hard for me to roster him just because I don't know what he's going to do. I don't even know if he's going to play the entire game. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, you can go to Twitter right now and just, like, type in the word Anthony Davis, and you'll just get, like, bombarded with every fantasy player on the planet having a take on him. You know, he's – I, I – I try not to be afraid of him, but you're right. He's sort of a mess this, this, this season. I don't know what to do with him either. Um, and, you know, I guess I, I, I generally look at those guys and I say, all right, I need to get their raw points into my, um, into my roster. But maybe this is a good point in terms of how to transition from NFL to NBA. You know, in the NFL, if I'm looking at, uh, you know, and I did this a lot this season sometimes, to my detriment, but, you know, I look at a guy like Cam Newton when he was finally, you know, sitting up there at, at, you know, 9,600, you know, 8,000, you know, those big salaries, you know, my first thought with that guy is, all right, who else, what other quarterback on this slate can put up, has his floor and his ceiling that I can get to save money. And I, it sounds like you're saying you have to do the same thing with these, you know, these 10 K plus players on, on a normal NBA slate is where can I find, you know, a point guard that can get me this, a similar floor and a similar ceiling to Westbrook tonight, uh, you know, or on a night where there's seven to, to, to nine games, where can I get that at a slightly cheaper price? Right, exactly. But it also changes where if Durant's out, then Westbrook at 10,000 is almost a gimme because we've seen Westbrook put <laughs> 40 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists I mean, with Durant's out of the lineup. So. If Durant's out, it's for free square. You just plug Westbrook in and that, you just you don't even think about it. Right, exactly. So it, it does it does depend who the player is, but for the most part, especially on bigger slates, I try to tend to avoid the the top guys just because if they don't reach value, it's just so hard to win. Well, and, and yeah. so speaking of value, so like you you guys are talking about this guy has to have this many points to return value. How do you determine that, and is it different per site? Yes. So you're trying to get a base score. I think it's different than football because football, you get a guy that's 6,000 and that's your quarterback and he gets you 20 points, you're happy. But if it's your wide receiver and he gets you 15 points, you're happy. Where in NBA, you're trying to get basically 300 points on FanDuel and about 280 points on DraftKings because if you can reach those numbers, you're going to do really well. You're going to cash. So you – you look for about five times the value on FanDuel because you don't get bonus points for other stuff, and turnovers are, are a whole negative point. So you're looking for five guys, uh, five times the price tag, and then on DraftKings it's about five and a half to six times the price tag. So going in, like we'll use, use the 10,000 guys on FanDuel, he has to reach 50 fantasy points to reach value. If I don't think he can do that, then I'm probably not going to roster him. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the base on, on the value aspect. Well, and so where do you – what do you use – to help you make that decision? Like, is it just stuff like defensive versus position or is it other, you know, other factors that you're taking into it? Obviously, you know, if, if, if there's an injured player, like a, like a Durant, obviously Westbrook is going to just be skyrocketed value. But, you know, I'm just talking like if it's healthy versus healthy team, like what are you kind of looking at to Give you give yourself a sense that that guy is going to either exceed value or at least hit it. Yeah, you definitely look at defense versus position. There's a lot of teams out there that are really good against point guards. Some aren't, but you kind of also look at minutes played. To me, that's in NBA. That's kind of the main set you look at minutes played. Because if the guy's going to play 35 minutes, odds are, especially if he's a point guard, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He can get some assists. So you kind of want to look at minutes played. I look at other projections. I look at player props. And then people right now the Vegas spread is is kind of um, it's kind of questionable because sometimes like last night the spread in the Cavaliers games was three or four points and they ended up winning by thirty five points and there's nothing you can do about that. So I kind of just look at minutes played. I kind of look at you know what this guy's done in the past. I'm a big pass guy. Just hey, if this guy's put thirty fantasy points in four straight games and he's six thousand dollars, well you know he's got a good chance of tonight also. Bearing a good matchup, also reaching value or maybe exceeding value. 
So you kind of want a good floor. You want to see, hey, can this guy get me at least 25, 30 fantasy points? Hey, can he explode for maybe 35 or 40 if he has a hot night or something like that? Mm-hmm. So that, those are a couple of things I look at. But minutes played is, is probably one of the top ones on the chart. Yeah, that's that's sort of where where I've come to to come on this. You know, it's minutes, minutes, minutes. You know, and and you want players getting minutes because that means they're on the floor. And this sort of goes to the point. And Mark, maybe you agree that the diff, one of the biggest differences between the NFL and the NBA, or even the NBA and and, and baseball as well, is that those other two sports are event based. So you know, a guy scores a seventy yard touchdown, you're going to get a whole bunch of points. You know, you you, you guy hits a hits a three run homer you're going to get a bunch of points. But in the NBA, there's no play that a player can run that is going to bolt, you know, that player's point total up, up. It's all slow accumulation of points. You know, you get a rebound here, a steal there, a couple blocks, you get some more points, you get a three-pointer, you know. And as such, you, you need people, you need your players to be on the floor in order to, to, to get points. Um, and I think, and, and this is sort of, you know, a question for you, Mark, how do you handle, I guess, how do you handle players that, that um, I guess, are on a hot streak? So, no, I guess an example would be, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. Like, I played, uh, who was I playing? I was playing someone last week, and I played him, like, three games in a row uh, because his, his price was just too low. Um, and that's what it is. So, you know, you look at, you look at a, a player, and you know his price is too low. Let's say it's, you know, a guy seven thousand supposed to be eight thousand. How long do you play him, you know, until uh, before you think his price is too high? How long do you know when it's like, all right, I played him four times in a row, five times in a row, you know, at this point, I need to, you know, I don't want to run into that dud, so I just cut him loose. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a certain game. I'll give you an example of Nilo Gallinari. I've been since he came back from injury, I basically use him every single night out, just waiting for him. Because he scores 20 points every single night, but then his previous game or two games ago he played the Heat, okay, bad matchup, this guy's had every single good game, and that's where it's like, okay, maybe I should fade him. But a guy like Chris Middleton, who I've been riding, he just stays about the 7,000 range. Mm-hmm. He just has a four thirty-five fantasy points. And until they make him 8,000, if this guy can explode for 50 fantasy points, I'm going to get those 30, 35 fantasy points every night. So I'm going to sit there and ride him until they up his price. I mean, he's literally $7,000 across the board, and it's just like, I don't know why. Like, he gets 35, 40, 40 fantasy points a night, and until they want to up the, his price tag, I'm going to play that. And a guy like Ish Smith, as soon as he got to the Sixers, his price tag has slowly gone up. Mm-hmm. And now in FanDuel, it was to the point where it's like, okay, he's a must start. Like, you have to start him. <laughs> yeah. We're now in – yeah, but now in DraftKings, it's like, okay, he's 7,500. He's the same amount as the Kemba Walker, the same amount as the Reggie Jackson. And that's when you're like, okay, do I really want to roster this guy over Kemba Walker or someone like that? And that's when you, you start realizing, okay, his price tag is too high because the two or three guys below him, I'd rather roster those two or three guys than, than him. Interesting, yeah. And, and, and that's sort of what I, what I was looking for because, you know, it's sort of when do you get off that train? Um, here's the question. Um, we're talking about minutes. We're talking about, about having guys on the floor and, and that being really the, the thing that's most important uh, in terms of figuring out value. How do you deal with blowouts? You know, and, and I'll give you my issue with NBA is I have forever avoided uh, the, the Warriors, Golden State. I, just, I, I never get to play them because every time I look at the Vegas line, they're spread, you know, they're spread at 12 and a half, 15, 17 points. You know, yeah, sure, the game total was at 220, but, you know, are these guys going to play four quarters? So I almost never roster them, and, you know, I end up looking at the top of the leaderboard of whatever GDP I'm in, and, you know, somebody's got, you know, Draymond Green blowing up for 75 points. How do you handle handle blowouts? Yeah, I mean, it, it just – I think it also depends on the team. Like, I remember when the Warriors a couple of days ago played the Lakers, oh, the dream matchup for Curry, Draymond Green's going to have a great night but it's like the Lakers are terrible. And you know that game's going to be a blowout. You can't really roster anyone on the Lakers because their starters are going to do poorly, which they did. Their bench guys are terrible. And then on the, the Warriors' side, none of those guys reach value. So you almost have to fade all, all those guys in a blowout. But I think each game's different. The Spurs is another team where it's, it's hard for me to roster the Spurs, yet Tony Parker sometimes five grand. I'm like, well, if Tony Parker plays 25 minutes, even if it's a blowout, he can probably re- reach value here. But when you see those double-digit spreads, it's just so hard to roster those guys because if they don't play the third quarter, 
you're in big trouble. And you right. can't afford to have Steph Curry only play 22 minutes. Granny will probably have like 40 fancy points. But if he's price tag 10 grand, you can get 55 or 60, and he's just not going to do that if, in a blowout situation. So I usually try to avoid those situations. Good thing in the NBA, it's, it literally happens to the Sixers, you know, happens to a couple of bad teams, and then the Lakers, not the yeah, it happens to the Lakers, and then the Warriors and the Spurs are basically the two teams that are always blowing people out. So right. you, you definitely have to tread water on, on those guys. <laughs> and apparently Boston, too, because they've been blowing people out this year for some crazy reason, or being involved in the loss, I should say. Um, so here's a follow-up, um, or a, a, a follow-up. Now, in the NFL, and this is how I've, I've found success in the NFL in terms of finding the right players, is I'll, I look at a player, I know, what, I know when we point I want him to score, and then I mentally create a picture of how he can do that. You know, is it possible for, you know, last weekend, for example, you know, I know not many people like to play playoff DFS. I love it because I make a lot of money. Um <laughs> You know, last week I said, okay, who's going to be the least owned out of all these, these quarterbacks? I felt like it would be Russell Wilson. So, well, is it possible for Russell Wilson to blow up? Is it possible that he can get me 300 yards, a rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns? You know, and, I, and then in my head I mentally give him, give him some stats and feel like is that, is that uh, reasonable? Is that, is that in the realm of possibility? And then what are the likelihood of that? Can you do that in the NBA? Is that, is that a, a tool that you can use in the NBA or is that just crazy? Um, you can't know that. I think it's more matchup dependent. I think it's when, when you say, hey, this team's really bad against centers or this team's really bad against shooting guards, like the Wizards just can't guard shooting guards. So then when you have someone play them or the Kings can't guard shooting guards, then we saw Eric Gordon have 15 fantasy points for seven straight games, plays the Kings and Grant Tyreek Evans in play, but then he drops 40 fantasy points. So I think it's when you talk about that, with just, hey, can this guy blow up? A lot of this matchup based, and then it's back to the injuries where, hey, if mm-hmm. he's the number two scorer on his team and the number one scores out, well, hey, now he's going to get an extra five to eight shots. What if he makes three or four of those now? You know, so that's that's where it kind of snowballs in, into that. It, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. To, yeah, that's all I got on that. <laughs> fair, fair. <clears throat> no, that's all really great information. Um, and so, in case you're, you're just jumping in here, we got Mark Kaplan from Fantasy Alarm on uh, going over some, some NBA DFS with us, some kind of uh, lessons learned so you know what to do when you jump into some NBA DFS. And, and you know, w- one of the things that I noticed just kind of jumping around from site to site was uh, DraftKings has the three-point. How are you – does that drastically change your lineup – your roster composition because of that three point bonus, like guys like Eric Gordon, JJ, et cetera. Like, are they guys that you actively gravitate toward because you can get that bonus? For the the three point, it's not necessarily like maybe if I was just split between two guys and, Hey, this guy hits an extra three pointer to a game. Then I would, the problem is with NBA, most of these guys are only hitting one or two, three pointers. So you're only getting about a point, maybe two extra points at most. For me, it's the turnovers, especially when you look at point guards or guys that have the ball in their hands a lot. On the DraftKings, it's only half a point for a turnover. Or on FanDuel, it's a full point. So if you have six turnovers, you know, on DraftKings, that's only minus three points. But on FanDuel, that's minus six points. So that, to me, is is the biggest stat I look at when it comes to the difference between each site. And then also double-doubles are a factor because you get, I think, almost two whole points or a point and a half for double-doubles on DraftKings. And that that adds up to a lot. So I kind of look at that as, hey, can this guy get a double-double? The guy, Greg Monroe, five straight games with a double-double. I'm looking at that. I'm hoping to get those extra couple bonus points from that. So those are kind of the two things. I think three-pointers. Also, the problem is guys like J.J. Redick, granted he had 40 points last night, is they don't really get mm-hmm. points in anything else. So he's only going to get you the points he scores. Right. right. That, that was kind of where – like that was why we were asking the question is just because those guys – that's why we specifically named those people because they don't get you anything else. Eric Gordon every once in a while gets you five, six assists, but that's kind of rare in these in this day of his game. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's all that's all really good information. I kind of uh, forgot to mention about the the turnovers and the, and the double doubles and stuff yeah. like that. So that that's all really good information to know. Um, 
I just yeah. makes me think about Marcus Smart the other day when he got a triple double when he had like ten points, eleven assists, and like ten rebounds. And you know how big of a boost that is on on a site like DraftKings because he got he gets a double double bonus and he gets a triple double bonus, whereas on FanDuel he gets none of that. Yeah, no, it's definitely big, and especially when it's Marcus Smart, where that day I'm pretty sure everyone's rostering Isaiah Thomas because the matchup was so great. It wasn't really supposed to be a blowout, and it became a blowout. And then Marcus Smart was played all the minutes and had his first career triple double, and he's kind of like one percent owned. So that's that's another good thing about NBA is when random guys have those nights, you're not going to win a GPP, but you're also not going to lose cash games because when that randomly happens, there's so few guys that own them, especially in cash, because it's just not a smart play, that it's really not going to hurt you that much. Yeah, I, um, I, I was playing a, a, I was pretty, playing a pretty heavy dose of double-ups that day, and I remember when, when I got the notification on my phone that he went off for a triple-double, I, you know, I swore a little bit because I didn't have him. And then I, uh, you know, I checked all, you know, all my double ups. Basically, he, I think, one lineup and one double up <laughs> had him. Um, but yeah, you know, right. he's he's definitely owned on a few rosters in GPP. Then you know, that, and I think that's good for for any any sharp player. I think having random players go off is good for you. Uh, maybe not that night, but but in the long run, you know, it's going to keep those dead lineups in in GPP. It's going to keep the guys, you know, rostering market, you know, Marcus Smart, uh, you know, uh, more times than they should. Uh, and, you know, he's going to give you his usual output. Right. And, and, the, and the thing with p- people, especially new players, is you don't, we call it chasing points where, oh, this guy had a triple-double one night. He, he's bound to do it again tonight. No, he's not. Like, I think that's a huge problem with, with NBA DFS is people look at the, the game before, and especially when it's from someone so random like Marcus Smart, and they expect him to do that in the next game, it's like, no, you're just chasing points. Like, that's a rare game that happens maybe once or twice a season, that's not going to happen again. A guy like Marcus Thornton randomly scored 25 points. Yeah, that was one game against one opponent. Look at the previous five games before that when he has eight points and 10 points and 12 points. That's more likely going to happen than him. Hey, he just randomly blew up. Let him blow up again. That's I think that's a big mistake people make. Agreed. I don't have anything else to offer other than yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it, to me, like roster construction's been been big. The couple of times I've played, you know, kind of like what Keenan was saying, you know, I, I tend to gravitate toward one or two of those high high priced players, and so I think I kind of have limited myself that way. Maybe I just need to kind of rethink my my strategy. Um, I, I definitely, I, I will admit, I'm a beginner in the NBA DFS. Um, you guys definitely know way more than I do, but uh, you know, you know, most players in the DFS, you know, know they should be considering these these high floor guys like in cash and things like that. You know, so you know, what's your strategy different from going with like a GPP? You guys have kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, what's your different strategy going from like double ups and head to heads than going to like GPPs? Well, like in a double up, I'm with the safe guys. I'm not really, I'm not looking for the value guys. Hey, this guy could get 20, 25 fantasy points. It's like, no, I need this guy. I need him to have a good floor. I need him to be consistent. I want him to, to do what he does every single night and just know what I'm going to get. We're on a GVP. That's where, hey, maybe you go for the three or 4,000 guy, the minimum price guy, hoping he can get you 25, 30 fantasy points knowing that, hey, this is probably not going to happen, but if it happens, I'm, I'm in a great situation, and especially like, hey, if the 10,000 guy gets 60 fantasy points, I'm looking good, where you can't really take that strategy in cash because if that high price player flops or the low price player flops, then you're really behind the eight ball, and most people aren't taking big risk in cash, so you're just already just pretty much donating money. Well, I, let me follow up on that and ask this question. So I think that it's an, it is important that fo- that you realize that you know you want that safety in cash games because you need that floor. Um, I find that unlike the NFL and 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 even baseball, um, the margin between the top, the, you know, the number one spot, the cash line, and the bottom is so much smaller. You know, so I mean, in the NFL. If you look, if you take a, a you know a large a large fifty uh, fifty or something, you know you're going to have players at the top. You know, let's take FanDuel for example. You know they're going to have one eighty five, one ninety. You know you got people at the bottom with like sixty. You know, 
And I find that in NFL, in NBA, you know, if you get one player wrong, you know, you're kind of screwed. Um, so how do you how do you capture enough upside with your with your state lineup so that you know you can handle a player maybe not reaching value that that game um, since that margin of error is so small. Right. Well, that's the thing is if the guy doesn't reach value, but the rest the rest of your squad is, is doing what they're pretty much going to do, odds are you're going to cash because just you know other other people don't have guys performing like they do. So mm-hmm. I, I want guys that like a guy like Chris Milton. I know he can give me 30, 35 fantasy points, but he's also blown up for 50 mm-hmm. or 55 fantasy points. So he's the guy that I'm always trying to look at because I know that he can he has that high ceiling, but he also has that high floor. Where in GPPs you can get hey, this guy is either going to give me 15 points or this guy is going to give me 40 points. There's no in-between with him. A guy like Zach Randolph, for example, we've seen him have games where he gets 10 points and 8 rebounds, and we've seen him have games where he gets 25 points and 12 rebounds. And it's, it hasn't really been a consistent thing where he's been able to get 30, 35 fantasy points. It's just one or the other. And that's kind right. of where the difference between cash game and HGBP plays. Got it. Got it. Yep, I think that's I, – I agree wholeheartedly. And what, one question, uh, and this kind of goes to my next question. So I'll, I'll ask this one first. So do you ever roster bench players, like guys coming off the bench? And um, if, if you do, like, what factors do you consider? Like, who, what are the types of players that you consider for bench? I think it, right, it depends the team and depends the situation, where if I know – hey, this guy's a sixth man where he's going to come in, even though he's on the bench, he's still going to play 25 to 30 minutes. Or he's the leading scorer on the second unit. So even if he comes and plays 24, 25 minutes, he's going to get his 10 to 12 shots a game. He's going to do this or do that. And centers, I, I think it just depends with each team. We've seen a guy like Ennis Canner for the Thunder where he only plays 20 minutes, but sometimes he gets a double-double in that 20 minutes. And that to me is more of a GPP play because he's only playing 20 minutes. But if he's going to come in and play 30 minutes, which he hasn't been doing, but let's just say he does, then I'm more inclined to be like, oh, even though he's only four or five grand, I know he's going to come off the bench and get 30 minutes. Let me plug him in my lineup. So that's that's kind of where I don't think you can be afraid of bench players, but if you're going to play, pay good money for you know mid-tier range, six or $7,000, odds are it's going to be for a starter and not for, for a bench player. Usually the bench players are like a Jamal Crawford who you can get for four grand, he can come in and can light it up and do some big stuff. It's just not a lot of great bench players aren't starting, if that makes sense. Like, if they're that good, they'd be starting, and especially in the NBA where they're so diluted, where a guy like on the Sixers, pretty much besides T.J. McConnell, there's no one on that bench that's even worth mentioning. So it just it kind of varies with team and, and role. It's, and like I said, it's minutes. So if a guy on the bench is going to get 25 minutes, he's not in his – Price tag's pretty low. He's still a pretty good play. I'd like to go ahead and use this opportunity to say that Jamal Crawford is dead to me. <laughs> I, I um, only rostered him last night, and that was only because he was, like, dirt cheap, and I just I hate the Rockets, and I'll play anyone against them because they play no defense. I rostered yeah. him last night, too. I did not win. But I hate him from last year when Clay wasn't playing, and he got a start. And yeah, Anyway, <laughs> I was also of the opinion that if, if, if a guy is injured, then I should play his replacement at that time. And, and, and that works a lot in the NFL um, just from a, from a volume standpoint, you know, backup running back. I don't care who he plays for. I, if he's been priced, I'm putting him in my lineup. Um, I, that doesn't seem to work as well in, uh, in the NBA. And so maybe that's uh, sort of something, something maybe to touch on. How do you handle, you know, the one-to-one swap of if, you know, if a guy goes, is, going, is not going to play, do you immediately consider playing his replacement in the starting lineup? That was exactly my follow-up question to that. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, I hate saying it depends on the situation, but let's take what happened in Memphis. A guy like Mike Conley goes down, instantly Mario Chalmers is going to play 40 minutes. Okay, I don't care what his price tag is, I'm playing him because I know he's going to play 40 minutes. Let's say, you know, a guy from the Bucks, Javari Parker, doesn't play and Johnny O'Brien starts. Well, Johnny O'Brien's not going to do anything if he plays 30 minutes anyway. So, even though he starts... (laughs) I'm not really concerned because he's not going to do anything with the minutes he gets. But a guy like Trey Lyles, he blew up because both Booker and Favors is out. Well, now that Booker's back, even though Favors is out, 
Well, now they're splitting time. I don't want those guys splitting time. I need I need Trey Lyles to get 30, 35 minutes for him to reach value. So if Trevor Booker's there, and that's going to take away 10 minutes from him, then I, then I have to go a different direction. I think when you look at point guards, I think when a point guard misses a game, if Jeff Teague misses a game, then you're instantly firing up Dennis Schroeder just because you know, hey, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to play extra minutes. He's going to do this. He's going to do that where you don't really know, hey, if the shooting guard's out, what shooting guard replaces him? Is he going to be able to actually score points? So I think it's, it does matter on positions a little bit because when, when the point guard misses out and then you have a really low-value low guy taking his place that you know is going to play a lot of minutes, then you almost have to play him. A guy like tonight, like Tyler Johnson, his price tag has risen a bit, but at the same time, it's like he's going to play 35, 40 minutes with both Dragic and Bino out. You kind of have to roll with him. Well, Tyler Johnson is this close to being dead to me, too, because he has a grand total of 6.25 points uh, on draft kicks exactly. right now. <laughs> but, um, um, and actually, so this is, this is an interesting question, because I, this happened, and it happened last week, too, and I forget the player. Um, someone went down. Oh, was it Bino? No, it wasn't Bino. Another, it was someone else. Basically, uh, the guy in front of him went down. The entire DFS world jumped to his replacement, and, you know, his replacement wasn't very good. And the guy, you know, whoever it was, put up, like, five fantasy points. And so the question here becomes, if you're, if you're looking at a replacement-level player, obviously you want to consider, you know, is he a good player, is he a bad player, and those sort of things. But how do you keep up with the news to know how is the coach going to approach that position in this upcoming game? You know, for, you know, for example, if, uh, if Westbrook goes down, you know, obviously, you know, we know someone's going to replace him, and I can't for the life of me figure out who that is. But, uh, you know, he's going to get replaced. <laughs> But that guy, we know, you know, the three of us sitting here now, we know that that guy in the lineup probably is not getting the bump that Kevin Durant's going to get from the usage perspective. Um, but on other teams, it may not be that evident. How do you keep up with that news? Yeah, that's another great question. I think it, it, it just depends on the team. A guy like, say, Westbrook's out, Cameron Payne, Payne's been the backup point guard. He's been playing backup minutes. So I, if he's in the starting lineup, okay, I can instantly plug him in. Or when you look at the uh, Brooklyn Nets, or, hey, Shane Larkin started. Shane Larkin's garbage. And then they yeah. realize, hey, two games, two or three games in, hey, we have Donald Sloan, who's not great, but he's mm-hmm. a veteran point guard. He's been around the league. Let's start him instead of Shane Larkin. And he's now getting 30 minutes where Larkin literally lasted two games as a starter because he's not good. So I think you have to look at the backup minutes. Hey, is this guy coming in and, and handling all the backup role? Because that way, if the starter's out, and he's instantly going to be the starter, not, hey, is this guy coming in and, and just play 10 minutes, and then even if he starts, he might only play 20 or 30, 20 or 22 minutes just because he's, the coach doesn't trust him. I mean, it's, right. it's very tough, but you just got to look at how the coach trusts him, how much, you know, how much minutes he's gotten before, and it's tough. It's just, it's, that's the thing with the NBA, just the, the variance factor where every team is just so different. It's funny. Shane Larkin is the exact player that I was mentioning. I was referencing. I couldn't remember his name, but it was Shane Larkin. And I, I remember that day because I, I jumped on. And I was talking. I was talking to Joe, and I, and and he said, "Shane Larkin is garbage. Don't play him." And I, and I managed to avoid that train wreck that everyone else fell into when he was named the starter. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I don't want to trash Shane. You almost dropped a useful player <laughs> season long league for him, and we kind of like hemmed and hawed about who to drop and somebody else picked him up and, I, and you were like I can't believe it I'm so bad I missed him and I'm like I'm so mad I'm going to lose and I'm like don't worry about it he sucks it doesn't matter <laughs> thankfully yeah. that worked out <laughs> yes it did the missing, the missing him <laughs> yeah, that's funny so I mean like so to go back on some of like where do you get your like news for coaching information and things like that like where do you just kind of get your news for like keeping up to date with all these last minute roster changes and injuries and things like that. Like what's your go-to place for all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to be on Twitter too, just because there's so many guys. You can follow some beat writers. You follow a lot of the DFS guys when lineups are announced or when something's announced about a player, you'll see, you'll get retweets. So I think Twitter's big. And then I'll plug my side fantasy alarm is we have a player player update section right on our homepage where, Every time there's there's news, if you're on the NBA part of it, you'll see, hey, this guy's playing, this guy's starting, and and that's that's the other two biggest things. You have to be on your computer, you have to be on your device, because you have to be just 
consistently refreshing, monitoring, because you never know what's going to happen. And not like tonight, it was Tyreek Evans. Is Tyreek Evans going to play? Because I have Norris Cole everywhere. Well, 30 minutes, 40 minutes before Lions block, it was announced that he wasn't going to play, or he, that he was going to play. Well, not after just on Lions, I have to get Norris Cole out of there. So I think it's just Twitter, and then if you just go fantasyalarm.com, they have you know great updates on on every player. They have lineups of projected starters for each team. So those are probably the two places I I look at most. Well, they got That's a pretty nice app good. too, right? Yes, and it's being updated as we speak as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I check out uh, Fantasy Alarm when I'm trying to, you know, when I'm not on Twitter, that's where I am. And I like that you guys have the, the on the player news section, you have the prices um, down on sort of the bottom corner. So anyone listening, you know, you're going to get your news and you're going to immediately see like, oh, okay, you know, George Hill, 5,800, Roy Allen, he's 3,500. You know, you can get that right on on the Fantasy Alarm site. So that's very nice. I love that feature. Awesome. I'll pass along the good word then. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> so I think one of the last questions we've got here, if not maybe the last question, um, and and this actually kind of came more from Keenan than me because he plays more, but uh, shooting guard and small forward seem to be like – the most difficult positions to roster. And so how do you attack those? And I think Keenan could probably go into a little bit more details of why he says that. Uh, but I, yeah. I do agree with him on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I find that shooting guard is a wasteland usually, um, you know, and, and I mean, you can't roster Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, unless he's playing on national television. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. On, at small forward, you've got guys like LeBron, but you know, he's ten five. you know, he's still, he's so expensive. And, I mean, when all three of the Cavs guys are, are, are healthy, you can't roster them. Um, you know, you say, no, Durant, yeah, Durant's obviously Durant. He, he's great. But, again, with Westbrook there, it's hard to roster him at that, at that price tag. Um, and I generally, you know, at point guard, there's just so many guys that you can, you can kind of pick through. You, you've got your, your pick of, of people that are going to be able to score points in center. I feel like everyone sort of knows the centers to, 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 to get, or maybe they don't, but I feel like they do on any given <laughs> night. But, but shooting guard and, and small forward seem like they're just very difficult to find the right guy to plug in every night. Yeah, and a lot has to do with just because the shooting guard and small forward position in the NBA is just, it's just not good. If you look at shooting guards, is they're going to shoot the ball. They don't really get assists and rebounds and stuff like that. So what I, what my main strategy is I'm not paying up for a guy just to pay up. If DeMar DeRozan's 8,000 on FanDuel, well, DeMar DeRozan, he'll, he'll get 25 points they can only get three rebounds and three assists. So if I don't think that guy's going to reach that value or get even close to it, even if he's the best guy and there's no one, you know, he's 8,000 and the next guy's Monta Ellis at 6,000, I'm not paying up just to pay up. I think that's – you can't do that. You can't just look at the same like, oh, this is the best guy. Let me just plug him in because there's still want the value there. And if I can get a guy that, hey, Gary Harris is going to play 35 minutes tonight, he's four grand. If he gets 20 fantasy points, I'm happy, but he can get 25 or 30. And that's where, I, again, the, the minutes play comes in huge. I think Avery Bradley recently has been playing 38, 40 minutes a game, and I'll say he's been about five grand. So when you look at that, okay, let me just plug and play him because he's going to play more minutes than almost anyone else at the position, and he doesn't cost a lot. So I think that's, that's the main thing when you attack those is you've got to look at that. It's also weird how DraftKings and FanDuel – I mean, you look at the Bucks alone where Antti Tocumpo is a shooting guard on um, FanDuel and he's a small forward on DraftKings. It's just – it, it kind of throws off your lines a bit because they can't look the same when they're just – they're different prices and they're different positions on each site. But you just got to find the guys. When it comes to small forward, I try to find the guys that get can, – can do a little bit of everything. I want the guys that can score some points, maybe get some rebounds and assists. I like those guys shooting guards. You just want them to get shots, play some minutes, and I don't think I'm trying to overspend at that position at, at all. I feel like that's mm-hmm. – you mentioned it. If I'm going to save money at any position, most of the time it's shooting guard because I can usually find a low-tier guy that can play some minutes, I can get some shots up. Hopefully his shots fall on that night, and I can reap some rewards from it. So all you're right. pretty much never paying up for Clay Thompson. I, well, that's the thing. There's a stretch where I think especially when either – I think it was when Curry was out where he's getting 40 fantasy points a night. He hasn't right. done that in the last, like, four games. So, yeah, I'm not going to pay up for him because that's all he does is get – score points. So, I'm not going to pay 7500 for a guy that, 
hey, right. he scores 25 real points, he's only get 28 fantasy points. That, that doesn't fly for me. Yeah, yeah no, no, that definitely makes off. sense. You got to stop reading off my lineup, though. I got Gary Harris tonight, too. Oh. <laughs> but, hey, it's small um, fleet. You said everybody had the same yeah, people. It is. <laughs> it is. So, this, so what's interesting is, is, and I found something that, the only thing that I've found to really like as one rule that I follow, at least at shooting guard, is if you got a guy um, like a Tyler Johnson who's listed at shooting guard but is going to start at point guard, I, he's an immediate plug-and-play for me. Do you, do you agree, or is that a bad strategy? Yeah, I mean, for, I think for the most part, that, that is, that's definitely a great strategy. The problem is, is on FanDuel, he's still a point guard, and then on drafting, yeah. If, if he's going to play point guard and he's listed as a shooting guard, then you definitely have to love that. And the same thing is with shooting guards, because sometimes they're listed as, you know, shooting guards, but they're playing small forward. Or on the mm-hmm. same fact of that is a guy like Jeff Green, I know he's Jeff Green, not great, or Matt Barnes. <laughs> You know, they play power forward, but yet they're listed as small forwards. And if you're going to play power forward, you can get more rebounds and stuff like that. So that's definitely a great call because even though they're listed that position, they might not play that position. Got it. Yep. Yeah, definitely got to look at the actual starting lineup for the game. You got to see where they're going to play most of their minutes and see who they're up against because then you got to look at who – like if they're if they're listed as small guard or small yeah, shooting guard but really playing small forward, their their DVP is going to be completely different too. So that's got to change as well, I imagine. So that's it. Kind of is just you've really got to be able to pay attention and and just look at all the factors that's going to affect the guy's value. But you know, a lot of those guys that we're talking about are pretty sounds like they're all pretty much low value guys. So if they're going to be changing positions and, you know, hopefully it's in their favor, then it seems like they're, they're kind of must plays. That's, that's all, that's all really good information to know. But, um, so I think that's all we've got here. Um, Mark, if you want to plug your site and, and your Twitter one more time for everybody and, uh, we'll get you out of here and, and close up shop. Sounds good guys. Appreciate you having me on. It's fun talking to you. You can just uh, go to fantasyalarm.com. I'm writing NBA stuff literally every single day. And you can follow me on Twitter at the true guru, D-A-T-R-U-E-G-U-R-U. And feel free to fire away fantasy questions. I'm usually on there a lot. It's my job. So holler at me anytime. I'm always sitting here. Love to answer questions. Hopefully I'm right. But, you know, I'll <laughs> do the best I can to give you good advice. Well, thanks All for right, coming man. on. Yeah, thank you so much. Like I said, all really good information to know. Hopefully it helped everybody out there. I know it definitely helped me. Hopefully I can uh, actually work up the courage to jump into some NBA DFS and uh, and, and win, win some money. So, Sounds- all right, well, have a good night, man, and uh, we, will, uh, we will talk to you another time. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, good luck in your contest tonight and uh, in the future. Thanks, Mark. Right, you too. Well, I know that was helpful for me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I think a lot of that stuff we kind of, you know, already knew the the basics of. You just kind of went into some more detail that that you and I had maybe not have thought about. Definitely me. Um, it seemed like you you were kind of more along the same page with him him on things than, than I was. Uh, but you know, you've played a whole lot more than I have, so it's to be expected. But yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully this helps all the listeners. And you guys can can jump in, do some, you know, start. The one thing you got to realize is that if you've never played DFS, NBA, there's all the beginner leagues that that these sites are going to let you in. So you're not playing against guys like Mark or even Keenan, you know, guys that do this all the time uh, because they won't be eligible for those leagues. You know, you'll be playing against guys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's why they don't let you in there. Uh, they'll let guys in there like me. They're like, maybe I kind of have an idea of what I'm doing, but I still am kind of figuring my way around the landscape and the game and the rules and, and yeah. who can really do what. Because, you know, I played a lot of season long, and, and, you know, I help you a lot with your season long league. I know that. And uh, it's just like it's a completely different beast. Um, it is. It is. So you, can be good, yeah. you can be really good at season long, and and I generally am. Uh, at least I feel like I am, uh, but you can be terrible at DFS, anything, football, <laughs> well, baseball, basketball, yeah. you know, it's, it's just a different sport. It really is, but it's it fun. Is. And, 
it is, it's a good time. I keep trying to get you to, to, to jump in, but, uh, you know, I know. And, and I think for everyone that's, you know, new or maybe you haven't jumped in or, or you've been considering it. Um, yeah. I mean, the beginner leagues are where it's at. You really, uh, you can gain a lot of knowledge. You know, I'm not allowed to play in there. You know, I'm not allowed to play. You're not going to run into those top, those top tier guys. Um, and, and you can get your feet wet for, for quite a while, actually, just learning how to pick players, learning how to construct the because that's the, the hardest part about about uh, a daily fantasy in, in any sport is you know how do you actually construct the roster when you go through season long you know there's a draft you're locked in to certain players certain draft positions your your sort of lineup I won't say it makes itself for you but but you don't have on any given night the pick of the entire league you know and 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 an NBA you you got everyone at, at your disposal you can roster anyone you want and that's the hardest thing mm-hmm. is how to construct a roster. Um, I'd also recommend, you know, go, going to a site like like Fantasy Alarm and and you know really reading their articles, read up on on how, on roster construction, read their player news, check out sites like Roto World. You know, I ha- they have an app, put it on your phone. Yeah. Day. When you're at work and like you know you're waiting for someone to get back to you, pop up, pop it open, check it out. When you're on the can, that's a great time too. Just you know check out the news. <laughs> Um, you know, the way that I look at it is, is you should be checking the, you should, especially in the NBA, you should be checking the news so much that when you go to the app to get new news and there's no news. And yeah. That's kind of the way I am, even though I don't play, I just, I'm crazy about it. But you yeah. bring up something else I wanted to ask, and, and I'm kind of mad I didn't ask it while Mark was on, but you, you could definitely answer this too, because I know you've dabbled with them and, and met, played around them just to kind of look around. But those, those, those lineup machines, those lineup, you know, those roster, I don't even generators. What what is your take on those? I know Fantasy Alarm has one. I know Roto Grinders has one. There's Roto QL. There's Fantasy mm-hmm. Labs. There's a million of them out there now. Um, some are yeah. free. Some are free to a point. Some are you have to pay the whole time. Like are are they good? Are they can you just go press a button and plug it in and you're going to win money every time type of thing? Like <laughs> do you have to like take it and cause well, and, and I ask it because I mean, look, I, I, you know, I kind of know better. I know the answer to that question, but you know, if you're a true beginner to this, maybe you don't know. Right. And it's, it's tough. So it's interesting. I, I have mixed feelings. Um, as someone who has been playing for a while and does pretty well and feels like he has, has an edge, anything that decreases my edge makes me a little, <laughs> makes me cringe. I don't like it. But at the same time, we want to, we want more people to play because it's fun, you know, right. and, and you don't want, I don't want to be going up against the top, you know, DFS players in, in, in the world all the time, you know, cause that's not fun, but it's fun. You know, everybody, everybody just coming in and having a good time. So the lineup generators, they allow, they do allow your beginners to, to even, the playing field just a little bit so that they at least know the landscape of where they should be looking. The one thing that I have to say though, is you can't, there is no press a button, win money solution to DFS. It, do, it doesn't exist. Um, the way that the lineup generators can help beginners and advanced players is as a, as a guide or as a way for you to enter your opinion into these, these generators and then have it do some math for you that might take you longer than you have time for um, I, I've been dabbling with, um, with RotoQL. I've been dabbling with Fantasy Labs recently. And one of the things that I like about, at least about all Fantasy Labs, is that you can construct a, a lineup based and, and, and projections based around how you like to build lineups. So I tend to like, I, I like people with high floors, right? So I can say, all right, I don't even want to consider anybody that's got, you know, bust potential. And then I can get a lineup and, and, and then work with it. I think the mistake that I think people will make is you're going to go to a site like Fantasy Labs. You're going to click the button that says, give me my lineup. You're going to get a lineup and you're going to plug it in and it will not equal the money. <laughs> um, and the reason is, is because they're just projections and the lineups are just built based on projections. And projections are just mathematical models that don't take into account, you know, I guess the ebbs and flows of the game that you're playing, you know. And yes, they can. Some of them are good enough. They take into account the last minute roster changes, but they don't know that, oh, well, this guy is, is going to play 25 minutes instead of 18 minutes today because the coach really likes him. 
Or you read on Twitter that, you know, Eric Folster really, really, really wants to get Tyler Johnson 20 shots tonight. Well, the, the lineup generator didn't read that. It doesn't know that. So right. you have to, you have to, you can use the lineup generators and, 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 but use them for what they're for, which is to start giving, give you an idea. Yeah. And math, literally math. I, it's the math, um, but there has to be some human element to it. Like you have to be able to take into effect the, the news aspect that the, right. that the computer can't adjust for. So no, make no, the, Perfect sense. That's the perfect answer. I mean, it's, I couldn't really say it myself. I didn't really know what the answer was, but now that you say it, like that's that's perfect. I mean, you know, I I know I've dabbled with them too. Even when I've kind of played once or twice here and there, I look at them and I go, it, it, what it does more for me than anything is it kind of gives me a player that like, huh, I wasn't really thinking about him. Yes, Let me look at him yes, a little that, harder. Right there. And and so I do it, and I'm like, eh, I like him, or eh. No, nah, I don't like him, and I move on, and I I go another direction. And what I can do is I can plug and play. What I do kind of like about it is plugging my lineup in there and see like who it starts suggesting to to fill in the rest, maybe sometimes, and see if I kind of like its suggestions, because uh, that's the thing I saw. I know with like RotoQL, um, uh, which you can link to from FantasySixPack.net, uh it will let you lock players in and I'm sure they all kind of do this, do that as well, but you can lock players in so that you have to build your lineup around these guys. So then it will adjust who else you can pick based upon that. And, you know, again, you know, it can do the math a lot faster than you. Uh, Mm -hmm. So why not let it, but just take it as a grain of salt. Like don't, don't have that be the end all be all, you know, like the gospel can and will be wrong a lot. Yeah. It will. Uh, and I think that's the, that's I mean, the thing. At, yeah. Just look at projections in the, in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're yeah. terrible. most weeks. <laughs> I mean, I mean well, think about it this way. The way that I think about the projections is that the best projectors in the, in, 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 in fantasy, the, you know, the guys who, who win all those awards for, for most accurate, you know, fa- you know, project projections, they're right. 62% of the time. Right. I mean, they're I mean I'm right like 58% of the time, and I'm right. like in the middle of the pack, but <laughs> that's still actually pretty good when you think about it. Like, that's how crazy right. that is. Like, 58% sounds horrible, but it's actually really good. Right. It's, and, and, and no, it's, it's very good. But that's the point is that, like, you know, you, you have to remember that the computer is going to be wrong 40% of the time. And the other, and, and I guess where, where I tend to lean and where I, how I use them is um, I will go and I'll say, all right, I like these guys, you know, just, just being in touch with the industry. You sort of know who the, play, who the, you know, two to three guys are that we call the chalk every week. Like these are the guys that are, or every night, like these are the guys that, 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 you know, you definitely have in your lineup or at least most people will have in their lineup. Right. You plug them in, you hit a, you know, you hit a button, you kind of see who else they're talking about. Like, Oh, Hmm. Why are in the why on the world are they play in this cancer tonight? He gets like 20 minutes a game off the bench for, for Oklahoma City. You know, then you kind of you know look at the news. You look at you look at that guy and you see why is this thing you know saying I play him? You go oh oh uh, you know I don't know uh, Ibaka's out tonight and cancer's going to start. You know, or there's been you know some other news that 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 indicates that or maybe his price is just way too low. Like maybe he's like three thousand dollars or something, which is just way too low for a guy with his talent. So. Um, you know, you, you get some ideas going, but then at some point you have to put your lineup into FanDuel or into DraftKings or, or Aces or one of the other sites. You know, that's when I, I, I take all that information I learned and then I construct a lineup on the site um, because I've already let the computer do that math for me. I let the computer sort of tell me, who, oh, you should consider this guy. Oh, you should look at that guy, you know, and, but now I have to make a roster and let a computer make a roster for me. <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't even let my spreadsheets make rosters for me. And, you know, I keep, I keep spreadsheets off players and all this stuff. You know, I'm, I, I play baseball and I've got a whole piece of software that I wrote that, that helps me find the players that I like, but I can't let it make a lineup for me. I have to put it in there myself and see like, does this work? Do I like the way this feels? Are all these guys giving me enough of a floor that I feel like this is a safe lineup? Do these guys have enough upside that, that they can cover if a guy doesn't miss? You know, like the lineup, the lineup mm-hmm. generator might tell you to roster three Oklahoma City. Ah, prime example, the other night, Phoenix was playing Sacramento, and it wanted me to roster five Phoenix Suns. 
in my lineup, or four, sorry, four Phoenix Suns in my FanDuel lineup. Now, that might be fine for a tournament, but I was playing cash games. I don't want to roster four guys from the same team in a cash game. What if they score 75 points? <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, dead, you're dead in the water. So, so it's not taking into account those things. You have to make lineups. Um, and the beginner, I'm telling you, look for the beginner, the beginner uh, 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 section. It is totally worth the time. I mean, even if you're liking it, even if you, you, you know, never feel like you want to compete against, against everybody, it's worth, you know, playing low-dollar games at the beginner level to show you how much fun it can be um, and to get your feet wet making rosters. Yeah, no, I will say this. I mean, I played, what, a couple of weeks ago with you, and it definitely was fun. Um, I, I, Dude, just, I thought you were going to get hooked. Uh, I am, man. I do like it. I just, uh, again, I just don't have the time right now, man. I can't be at my computer at 630 every night. That's my, that's my problem. Uh, maybe when yeah. baseball rolls around, I can, I can do some more lineups with that. Cause I can, I can be at my computer at three o'clock to make sure that my mm-hmm. starting center fielder is actually going to be the starting center fielder. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's tough. So baseball is good though, because baseball, like you said, you know, those lineups at four o'clock and you basically just have your phone nearby in case, you know, cause you're going to get an alert on your, on you know, whatever sports app you use that says so-and-so is not going to play. Um, but right. NBA, yeah, you have to you have to be literally able to sit down at your computer and redo your entire lineup at a moment's notice before lock. Yeah, um, and that's tough. That's tough. It takes a lot of effort. And in baseball, you could take zeros and even still win. It's kind of crazy. You know, a guy oh, can go okay. over four, yeah. and it's like, okay, that happens with half your lineup sometimes, and you're yeah. still good. That's that's a completely different situation there. And that is another show for another day. But um, Unless you got something else to add, I think that is it for us. We will, uh, yeah, call it a night. And again, yeah. hit, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Fantasy Six Pack. I'll spell it out one word. Keenan, uh, you want to go ahead? And- yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at the Leaf Node. Um, don't ask uh, or ask me on Twitter. <laughs> I'll tell you all about it. It's a uh, it's a T H E L E A F N O D E. The Leaf Node. All right, good stuff. And uh, check out SoCalledFantasyExperts.com and FantasySixPack.net for a whole bunch of other DFS news and and season-long news as well for for both basketball and a lot of baseball stuff coming down the the pipeline too. So for all you baseball players, be on the lookout. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I need to get into writing with that here very, very soon. So I am am pumped up because that's – so baseball's coming right around when uh, when uh, my wife is, is expected to deliver. So I'm going to have a newborn here and a whole lot of time to build DFS uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball lineups. You'll, you'll be sitting around changing poopy diapers with a, and watching your baby sleep and making lineups. That's all that happens. Yeah. Don't worry. That's right. So, <laughs> I've, I've been there, man. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's it for the night. And uh, – Thanks for coming on. Thanks again for Mark. It was great stuff again. And uh, we will see you all maybe next week, maybe the week after. I'm not sure yet. I haven't, I haven't figured out when I'm coming back with AJ for, for good. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Same to you. See ya. See ya.